0: And we are back. Welcome into the Bushy Baller Brand Podcast. We are officially back. It has been a few months since David and I have done this. uh, COVID amidst uh, some other things going on. But we are here and we are back. And boy, we got three great topics for you guys today. We're talking Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Can Brady get his seventh ring? Are the Steelers the best team in the AFC? And we'll close the show out talking about Daryl Morey and the Sixers and how that will look. But I really want to start off with Tom Brady and how he's played this year and can he get that seventh ring? Because if you're watching the NFC and everything going on, Tom Brady is looking like that guy who was in his early 30s. I mean, he is playing absolutely phenomenal. They are arguably, if not, the best team in the NFC. And I look here, I have his stats listed for you guys, which is really interesting. His stats this year lined up against his stats in 2018, which of course was his last Super Bowl, through seven games in 2018 this year, five and two, same record. This year he's got 1,910 yards in 2018, 1,876 yards. This year, through seven games, he got 18 touchdowns and four picks in 2018. He had 16 touchdowns and seven picks. So it's kind of funny to look at the fact that this year, two years older, Tom Brady has the same record with more yards, more touchdowns, and less interceptions. And so Tom Brady has looked great this year. He's looked absolutely phenomenal. Like the GOAT he is, the MVP self. And I also want to compare the weapons that he has because I feel that his weapons this year are a lot more scarier than they are in 2018. So you line up the top two running backs. 2018, he had Sony Michelle and James White, who, by the way, was a second-leading receiver And any phenomenal team, you really don't want your second leading receiver to be a running back. This year with the Buccaneers, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. The top two tight ends, both teams Gronk, but you can argue that this Gronk is better because he had a year off from football, whereas the Gronk that we knew in 2018 was the Gronkowski where we were kind of like, eh, he's in the back end of his career. Is he really going to do this? And then I'm going to take OJ Howard over Dwayne Allen anytime as my second tight end. I don't know about everyone out there and you look at his top receivers this year, he's got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, who he loves, not really a known, not really a named guy, but someone that he really loves. And now they just signed Antonio Brown, who is going to be on a really, really short lease. So we can't lock him in to be there the whole season. But again, that's a pro bowl type guy that you have on your roster and the receivers that he had in 2018, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Josh Gordon, who didn't play in the playoffs at all, keep in mind, and Philip Dorsett. So you line up the stats of this year to 2018, and you line up the weapons of this year to 2018. I'm taking his stats this year. I'm taking his weapons. So in my mind, if you want to line up, okay, well, who could really be a threat to the Buccaneers? Well, you got to look at the Seahawks and the Packers. And so I'm going to compare him to the Packers because we already saw them play once this year and if you ask me, it heavily went in one direction, and that was Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. As they won, I believe it was 32
1: 38-10.
0: 38-10. 38-10, 38-10 uh, Buccaneers beating the Packers. And comparing the quarterback stats, both had similar yards, 160 yards for Rodgers, 166 yards for Brady. Rodgers, zero touchdowns, two picks. Flip those for Tom Brady, two touchdowns, zero picks. Yeah, zero touchdowns and two picks for Rodgers, two touchdowns and zero picks for Tom Brady. And now you line up the running backs for both these teams, starting running backs, who would you rather have? Now, there is no doubt that Aaron Jones is one of the top running backs in the league. You could argue top five, no doubt top 10. In that game, however, 15 yards and a touchdown and 26 receiving yards. Ronald Jones, 113 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. So, you know, you're looking at – the topic really is Tom Brady, but you got to talk about the team surrounding him. In that matchup, Ronald Jones absolutely dominated, no doubt, over Aaron Jones. And you may be wondering why. Well, now you got to talk about defenses because the team as a whole, people say defense wins championships, especially if you look at that 2018 Super Bowl when, you know, if you're a defensive guy, you loved it. If you're a fan viewing it, you hated it because it was one of the most boring Super Bowls in modern time that we can remember. So defensively that week, fantasy points-wise, Green Bay defense, negative .25. Tampa Bay defense, 27 fantasy points. Green Bay allowed 324 yards and 32 points, whereas Tampa Bay's defense allowed 201 yards and only 10 points. And now looking at the whole season, Yahoo has Tampa Bay's defense ranked 33 overall. Keep that in mind, not defensively, overall, all positions, 33rd, Green Bay's 175. Statistically, Tampa Bay has allowed 291.3 yards, which is the third fewest yards, and they have the second most sacks at 25. So defensively, if you ask me head-to-head with Green Bay, it's not close. I don't even want to get into Seattle and how bad their defense is. So if you ask me, there's really not a team out there that can stop Tom Brady in the NFC. David, I'm going to throw it over to you. What are your thoughts on how Tom Brady fares in the NFC, him and the Buccaneers, or the rest of the season?
1: Well, looking at it right now, I really think the Buccaneers can definitely make the Super Bowl. I was very, I was not on the bandwagon at the beginning of the year. I did not, I really like the Saints above them and other teams, but because of the two top competitors in the NFC were the Saints and the 49ers. And now it looks like the 49ers have had their struggles, the Saints have had their struggles, Breeze hasn't looked great. He's looked, oh, he's looked fine, but we'll see. And right now it looks like the, the Packers and the Seahawks have, has, has emerged as a competition. But I really think the key to the Buccaneers winning isn't even necessarily Tom Brady. I think it's centered around him on offense, but that defense has been really good. Um, Carlton Davis, their cornerback, has kind of come out of nowhere to become one of the best in the league. And their linebacking core is, is phenomenal. Devin White and Levante David on the inside. Shaq Barrett, who was one of the sack leaders last year, on the outside. That defense is—it's going to get—is what's going to get it done for them. You said they were third; they ranked third in yards. Yep. So they've been really good. The second this most year. in sacks. Yep, second most in sacks. Their defense has been great this year, and I think that's how they're going to win—is they're going to win if they can play—if they can play their game. I don't feel comfortable with the Buccaneers necessarily in a shootout. I don't feel comfortable comfortable necessarily if they're fixing the Seahawks or a team getting into a shootout I think it's going to rely on can they play their game defensively and running the ball and if if they run the ball well and play defensively well Brady's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league because he may not have the arm strength anymore but you know he, he's going to make good decisions he's still accurate on short on short and medium routes um he's not going to throw too many interceptions so I think they really have to play their style Ronald Jones right now is fourth and rushing and he's kind of come out of nowhere. And then they also have Fournette, who played well last game, coming back from injury. Uh, they took a right tackle in the draft in the first round, who's really good, would probably be a top-five pick in, the, in a redraft. He's worked out really well, Tristan Wirfs. So I think it comes down to them really playing their style of play, controlling the tempo with Brady, and uh, with short routes to Brady, um, and running the ball from Ronald jones starting there. And you know they have weapons. Um, Mike Evans, Godwin and if Antonio Brown comes back, like forget about it because then you have two Antonio Brown and Godwin can both play in the slot, they can play outside you can do so many things with them, they would be so talented, Um, so I think I think right now I would probably have had them as the fourth or fifth best team in the NFC uh, at the beginning of the year right now, I think they're probably the best team right now Um, I would say the Seahawks, but that defense against the pass just isn't it Yeah, Um,
0: no, yeah, there's there's no argument against it. But like you said, I mean, early on, there were concerns of the Buccaneers, you know, and people were talking about as Brady lost it like they have been doing in the first few games for Brady for the past like five years. It's always a slow start. People are like, yeah, this is it. Brady's going to drop off a cliff like it's done. But people got to realize that this was this was more than just another season with a couple with like a new weapon or two. This was a brand new environment, brand new coach, brand new team. So like you couldn't have expected them to start off eight and no and be dominant. There were going to be learning curves and out there that they are where there are. I mean, I just think it's going to be amazing to see what he can do. And like you said, Antonio Brown, he doesn't need to be that pro bowl guy. Cause if you look at the roster, you're going to go to Ronald Jones above him. You're going to go to Chris Godwin above him. You're going to go to Mike Evans above him. And you know, there may be games where you throw to Gronk more Scotty Miller more. So Antonio Brown at the very best is going to be the fourth option on the team, which You know, people were talking about, well, the reason that he went out of Pittsburgh was because he was mad that he wasn't going to get enough targets and the ball wasn't given to him enough. Well, he's really going to have to suck it up here in Tampa Bay if he wants to stay, because he's going to be at best their fourth option, which again means that he doesn't have to be the Pro Bowl self that he was. If he's 50% of what he was at peak season, that's great for you and your fourth option. You know?
1: Yeah. All right. I really think that's one thing I didn't mention is them gelling together because at the beginning of the season, they lost to the Saints first game. Everyone's ready to some picks. Everyone's like, is this it? Is that it? Well, I mean, it was his first game throwing to new receivers. He's still learning the system, learning the offense. And it was just going to take time for this offense uh, to come together, especially on the offense end um, with Gronk as a new addition. And we've even seen, you know, Gronk started out, he was doing a lot of blocking. In the media, it was like a big thing, like, and Gronk was kind of like, I'm just doing what they're telling me to do. But now the last few games, he started to emerge. He had a really good game his last game. He caught a touchdown. He's going to be a good in the red zone. So, I mean, Gronk emerging is going to be big. As the season goes along, they should just get better and better.
0: Exactly. And that's, that's really the scary thought of it is it's right now through seven games, it's set at five and two. And Brady's thrown 18 touchdowns to four interceptions. And we're expecting them to get better. And Gronkowski took a year off from football. So you couldn't, what were you expecting this first game, 100 yards to two touchdowns? Like, that's not realistic. He was getting back into the flow of NFL football. And as the season progresses, he's only going to get better and get more comfortable with where he's at. And then when he reaches the playoffs, I mean, Gronk is one of, if not arguably the top tight end of all time, and he's still playing. I mean, there's Tony Gonzalez out there and Antonio Gates, but Gronkowski is definitely up there for one of the best tight ends. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, in terms of the shootout, I don't necessarily know if I want to doubt Tom Brady in a shootout game at this point. I understand that he's getting to his mid 40s and that the arm strength isn't where it's used to be. But given the weapons, like in a shootout, we know Tom Brady. He's a winner and a proven winner, six Super Bowls. And if he's in a shootout against Rogers even though Rodgers is known for, like, you give Rodgers 25 seconds on the clock and you're up six. You, you you walk on the field defensively, like, this game might be over because Rodgers going to throw a deep ball and it's a touchdown. But with a defense like Tampa Bay and with a defense as bad as Green Bay has been this year, if you had a shootout between those two in the NFC Championship, I think I'm taking Brady, to be honest with you. I don't know about who you would take, but I I just, something about the way Tom Brady is playing this year, and I just, I feel like there's not really a team once he gets flowing in that you know cooking and getting that perfect flow I don't see anyone stopping him no matter what the score is or shootout or whatever the situation is
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see what he can do we saw in 2018 it's kind of interesting because in the Super Bowl they they were relying on their defense which would be the style I was kind of talking about they kind of played more run based um, got their running game going and held the Rams to three points and now the Rams were like one of the best offense we we had seen, like they were a historic offense. They were really good that year. Um, but the game before that was the game where they got into this kind of a shootout with the Chiefs, and they ended up winning that game against the Chiefs. Take it to this year. I, I'm just not confident. Like I, I'm pretty confident against a team in the NFC that it, it would at least be close, but it, I, I'm not confident in him. If say he meets the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, I would not be confident at all. Like going up against a guy like Mahomes. Um, the AFC definitely worries me a little more than the NFC because yeah. I think it's a little better up at the top. But no, you, it, it'll just depend. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens if Brady can sling it. I'm, I would just be worried. I think that that their key to winning is really controlling the game with the running game and playing good defense.
0: Yeah. So you're but, you you're, so you're more on the side of, in terms of the NFC, Buccaneers may be the best team, but in terms of NFL overall, they may be three, four, five. Like you think there may be three to two, three teams. In the AFC that are better than the Buccaneers as
1: it stands right now is what you're basically trying to say I just I, I think they're they're probably in the whole group with the Ravens and Steelers Titans add in Packers Seahawks I think they're they're in that group that's fighting to to take the Chiefs and to put them down a peg after a Super Bowl season uh, I just think the Chiefs we'll talk about later about the Steelers and where they sit in the AFC but but I think everyone's kind of fighting up to, to face the chiefs. And I don't feel, even though the Buccaneers started to play really well uh, lately, I I still don't feel comfortable at all with them beating a team like the chiefs.
0: Yeah. So here's a question that I'll propose to you and see how you feel about it. So Tom Brady, obviously like the big number is six rings, like he's got six Jordan's got six. Like they're both considered widely by a lot of people goats. Although obviously there's the Jordan LeBron debate. You can go on for hours about that, but The thing is the six rings and Tom Brady, he's only getting older, but I want to say that loosely because as he's gotten older, he seems to be getting better at times. So do you feel that if he wants to get a seventh ring, it's this year or bust? Or do you think, say he's here for three years, you think in the next three years he can get one? Or do you more so feel it's like this year he's got to get it or he's not going to get a seventh?
1: Uh, I think it's pretty much it's pretty much a one two year window with with the way things are panning out uh, this year I think I think I don't think there's just an expectation there like he's already won six if you're asking me if he'll get seven I feel confident that, that they could maybe get one this year maybe next year I don't think there's that expectation though I think he's kind of playing uh, without that burden on the shoulders um, so I don't know if I would really think about it as like when is he gonna win uh, but with how they're playing this year is probably the year to do it uh, this, Because the Chiefs, I don't think the Chiefs are getting any worse or anything like that. So we'll see uh, if he can do it this year. But this year's probably his best chance of where everything's at.
0: Yeah, and like you said, we'll touch on the AFC shortly after this. But I do think it's definitely interesting to see how well he's been playing this year. And in terms of just the fact that you're taking Brady at, I believe he's 43 this year. I believe so. A 43-year-old quarterback, and you're talking about, is he the best quarterback in the league, both statistically and how he's playing in the team overall? Tampa Bay Buccaneers are sure, surely look like a lock. And if there's any doubt, you know, sometimes people like to compare him and Rodgers, which I don't really see that as a comparison at all. I mean, you look at the championships and the accomplishments and all that. People like to compare them. Well, if there's any doubt in your mind, who's better right now, you saw the head-to-head matchup. And Brady, I think this year is just far and away better than Rogers. I mean, They played head-to-head, and Brady had such a better game, and the team blew him out. Now, granted, a lot of that could have been, like you said, given to the defensive efforts by both teams. Defensively, Tampa Bay is up there with one of the best, and so obviously that is a huge factor. But even then so, Brady still had a way better game, in my opinion. I mean, two touchdowns and no picks to no touchdowns and two picks is a big difference throwing-wise. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the NFC as a whole, there's not one team that's looking like, Oh, you know, I'm confident they will stop, you know, the Buccaneers. And like you said earlier, the beginning of this season, the season, talk was like, oh, that division it's going to be Brady and Breeze, you know, shootout. Like, let's go, who's going to be way better? I got to be honest with you, Saints, not looking like a team that can run deep in the playoffs. If you if you match them up with the Buccaneers, I'm, I'm taking the Bucks any
1: day. Really? Yeah, we'll, we'll see the Saints. I mean, they've kind of uh, they they kind of underperformed when they were the, you know, kind of the top threat. So maybe they'll over-perform, overperform when they're not. I'm not going to count the Saints out anytime soon. I do think you're also putting a little too much stock into the head-to-head matchup that we saw. Um, that was the Packers' first loss of the year. Um, and they were kind of bound to have a bad game. Uh, and then they came back and crushed the Texans last week. Um, that was only the third time in his career that, that Aaron Rodgers has thrown two picks in a game. Um, so that's not going to happen very often. I just think it was kind of an off game. I think the pa- Packers are about on par, Um with, uh, with the Buccaneers, but I can definitely see taking the Buccaneers above them um, because yeah. they do have a better defense. They have more weapons. And while I don't see the Rodgers-Brady compa- as much of a comparison, I think they're d- definitely different players uh, yeah. with Rodgers being yeah. more of a strong arm. I do think that Rodgers has played a little better than Brady, and I, I would probably at this point have Rodgers a little above Brady.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could sit here and argue that all day. I mean, if you're asking me if I were to build around a team – one of the two quarterbacks, I personally, now granted it would be, you know, defensively in the weapons that you get, but I would want to, I would probably take Brady over Rogers to build a team around, not long-term, but for one season, like if you threw everyone into a free agent pool right now and you're like build around a team for one season and you could take either Brady or Rogers. I'm taking Brady. Will he get his seventh ring this year? I think it's his best chance, but it's not a guarantee. But my gut tells me knowing Tom Brady, and you even said, that burns on his shoulder. There's not that expectation. Well, that's what we think, but if you know Tom Brady, the competitor, he probably had in mind, I'm going to go down there and it's my goal to get Tampa Bay a ring. So I really think that he's a man on a mission. And so we were talking about that and can he beat the teams in the AFC, which is a whole nother discussion. And we're going to move on to that. And we're going to be talking about, are the Steelers, because of the last unbeaten team in the NFL, are they truly the best team in the entire NFL and the AFC? All right, so we just talked about Tom Brady and the NFC and his seventh ring and all that. So we want to flip to the other side and go to the AFC. We want to talk about the last remaining unbeaten team, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And are they truly, truly the best team in the NFL, but specifically right now, the AFC? So I'm going to give you a quick list of the teams that they've beaten and their records. The Giants, who they beat, are currently one and six, the Broncos are two and four. The Texans are one and six. The Eagles are two, four and one. The Browns are five and two, and the Titans are five and one. The one loss being against the Steelers, obviously. So you look at that, four of the six teams that they have played are below 500, which is not anything to brag home about. And the Browns are at five and two, but I really don't think anybody sees the Browns as that like legit threat to get to the Super Bowl or the playoffs. So if you ask me, the Steelers schedule, yes, are they undefeated, but are they really the best team? And that's very questionable. David, I want to get your take on, are the Steelers the best team in the AFC, considering that they are the last
1: unbeaten team in the NFL? No, I do not think the Steelers are the best team uh, in the AFC. Uh, I think the Chiefs clearly are. I think the Chiefs are kind of in their own tier at the top, and then you have a bunch of there's a bunch of really, really good teams in the NFL, actually. It's an exciting time for the NFL. There's a bunch of really good teams um, that, that can fight for that spot. But I think all those teams are kind of looking up at the Chiefs after they won the Super Bowl last year, after how good Mahomes has been and trying to get there. Um, so I, I definitely have the Chiefs above them. Um, and while I do I do like the Steelers and how they're playing on defense, their defense is how, is how they're going to win. They've been playing great defense. Uh, we saw them take it to the Titans in the first half. Oh yeah, um, and, and really held them. Their offense had been, had been performing well. They really held them to nothing in the first half. Um, they're first in yards allowed per game, second against the rush, sixth against the pass, um, and they sixth in points per game. So and first in sacks. So their defense ha- has been great. It starts up front: Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, playing really well. Um, but their offense worries me a little bit. Uh, Roethlisberger, I think is really relo- going to rely on his weapons. I think the offense is going to run th- more through his weapons than actually him himself. He's not really airing out the ball like he, he's usually done. He's doing uh, shorter stuff, getting his receivers involved. And while that is going to win them a lot of games, I don't necessarily feel comfortable with their offense going forward. And their defense is a little – it's a little worrisome to me that Devin Bush, uh, he's out for the year. They just lost him. Yeah, that's a, big, that's a huge loss. Browns. He, yeah, won a great rookie last year. And he's he was actually t- uh, doing play calls for them. Um, and he's in the middle of the defense, a middle linebacker. That definitely worries me. That's a piece that's not going to be here for the rest of the season. So while I do think that they're a really good team and that their defense is really good, I just, I'm, I'm just not sure they're the most balanced team. And I think that uh, a team like the Ravens, I'd probably take above them. And we'll see that. I mean, the Ravens are at home, but they're playing each other this week. So Ravens get a little bit of edge that they're at their home, but I think I think this game against the Ravens is going to be the test because, like you said, their schedule has been relatively Nothing weak so Nothing special. Far. The only I mean, threatening the team. Titans.
0: Then they were the only threatening team. I mean, the Browns yeah. are five and two, but they're no threat to win the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, the Browns. The Browns' record uh, over scores how good they actually are. So I think the real test is against the Ravens off a of bye to see what the what they can do. Um, so that'll be really interesting to see on Sunday. But right now, I am definitely not confident in the Steelers, and I have the Chiefs a, good, a a tier above them.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with the fact that the Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. The loss against the Raiders was definitely an interesting one, but the Raiders are no slack of a team. I mean, they're a good team, but I don't think that they're better than the Chiefs, obviously. But I want to go back to your point that you had about the weapons. Um, Really solid point here. James Conner, you know, he had that big year a couple years ago where everyone was like, Oh, this is the guy. He you know he's the future. Like, get ready, top five running back. I don't. I mean, he's been respectable, but I don't think he's anything special. Like, I don't see him as like a must-have on your team, you know, fantasy wise or reality. I don't really see him as a guy that like people are going to be knocking on the door to trade for. And you were talking about how he's going to need to rely on his weapons. His leading receiver right now is Chase Claypool, who's the rookie from Notre Dame. He's at three hundred thirty-three yards and four touchdowns which you might look at and you're like, you know, that's decent for your starting receiver. Well, you got to keep in mind 110 of those yards and three out of the four touchdowns came in one game against the Eagles. So that's nothing that you're too excited about when, you know, a third of your leading receivers yards came in one game through six games is not, not something to be too excited about Eric Ebron, the tight end, he was very good with the Colts. Hasn't been as good as he was with the Colts. I think that, Again, kind of like we were touching on with the Buccaneers and their defense. This is a team that really is going to need their defense to play the way that they are throughout the whole season. You said they're first in sacks with 26 sacks and eight interceptions on the season. That's only through six games, and those are pretty scary numbers to draw defensively, only through six games. So definitely the defense is their strong suit here. I don't think their weapons or anything that teams are going to be wanting to get at the trade deadline. I do agree with you that the Chiefs are a way better – I think that they're a way better team than Steelers. Honestly, if you match them up, if you were to throw them in a game right now, I think the Chiefs would win by double digits. Just their weapons are just too, too explosive. I mean, and they just got Le'Veon Bell, which, you know, we haven't seen – he played last week, his first week, but he didn't do anything, but it was his first game with the team. You don't really ever expect that. So once he gets more incorporated with the offense and fits in more, that's a running tandem of Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and then Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, those guys, Miko Hardman, all fast receivers. And so I think the Chiefs are really going to be the team in the AFC here. And the Steelers, although they're the unbeaten team, their schedule has not been anything too hard. You know, you you match up. If you gave Brady that schedule, he's going to be undefeated as well.
1: In my opinion. Yeah, I think the weapons are a little better than you. Uh, Connor's sitting at 10th and rushing right now. I I, think, I, don't, I don't think – like, I agree with you. He's not, like, special or anything, but I think he'll, he'll, he'll get the job done. Um, he's really good in the red zone. They, they love running him in the red zone, and he's been a really solid bear. Um, he's not not the flashiest guy, not the most athletic uh, guy, but he's going to get the job done. He's going to hit the hole. Uh, he's going to do well for that team. Uh, he's, he's been doing well. Uh, tenth in rushing overall. Uh, he has four touchdowns on the year. And then Deontay Johnson has been injured, but I think he's really going to be their number one receiver, and we kind of saw that against the Titans. I think he had two touchdowns. Um, looks really good. Um, and he'd he been struggling with injury before. So I, I think, you know, even with Juju, he's kind of have been having it down year. air. Uh, but yeah, I think you're telling probably, me a fantasy team he's not being yeah. great. I think that's partly just because of the emergence of Claypool and DS Jones is really yeah. good. But I, I really like his talent. I think he's gonna he's gonna uh, be better um, going forward. So I think they have three solid receivers, a solid running back um, and then solid quarterback. But I'm saying the word solid here, and if we're looking for the best team in the AFC. I don't think uh, that's necessarily going to be uh, what we're looking for uh, no. compared to the Chiefs, who have the best run, the best quarterback in the league, one of the best receivers, in Tyree Hill, the best tight end in Travis Kelsey. So I don't yeah. think.
0: Yeah. And and to your point, like teams that you would probably say like who is on the same level as the Steelers, talent wise, would probably be like you know a Bills or a Ravens kind of team, like really up there but they're kind of missing that one thing for whatever reason to set them above and beyond like the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, 0 for 2 in the playoffs. Even last year, they were like, who was stopping the Ravens and the Titans stopped the Ravens, you know, one of those things. And the Chiefs have beaten the Bills and the Ravens this year. So it's kind of like, you know, the Chiefs are the top team. Who's on the same level, probably put Ravens, Bills, Steelers, on the same level. And the Chiefs are being two out of those three teams. And as for the Titans, I think that they're an interesting team. Because I really do like the Titans overall as a team. And we got to be honest with ourselves, Steven Gustowski missed a field goal to go into overtime against the Steelers. So it wasn't necessarily like the Steelers won big. They won off a missed field goal. If that thing goes into overtime and the Steelers get the and the excuse me, the Titans get the ball first, you hand it off to Derrick Henry. That man might take off and the game's over and Titans are undefeated. So I don't think that was a game that was extremely telling. I mean, it was an entertaining game. Don't get me wrong. The Steelers came out on top. Congrats to them. But I would even put, like, I would say if you look at, like, the AFC triangle, you get the Chiefs at the top, obviously. And then I would probably put Ravens, Bills, Titans, and Steelers on the same level, if you get what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think, like I was saying, like, the Chiefs are clearly the top tier, and I think they're in that tier by themselves. And then you have the, the teams that you all listed, uh, Ravens, Titans, Bill Steelers. And I do think the Titans are in that same tier, even though they lost. Uh, I think, the, and they're going to be the team looking to create an upset against the Chiefs. Um, and so I think the Steelers are, are there with them, but they definitely don't stand out. Like, talk about they yeah. have a great defense, but the Bills have, have a good defense. The Ravens have a really good defense. Uh, and I I'd probably, the, the Steelers are great against the run, but against the pass, they are sixth in passing yards. So their offense is still good. But like a team like the Ravens with Marlon Humphrey and and Marcus Peters, I probably have them even a little better against the pass. So I don't think they stand out enough uh, against any of those teams. And I'd pro- I'd probably take uh, two of those three teams, maybe all three, uh, over the yeah. Steelers.
0: Yeah, I agree. I was just thinking. I was like, if if you had a playoff matchup, if you had Ravens Steelers. Despite you know Lamar Jackson struggles in the playoffs, I think that I would take the Ravens over the Steelers in the playoffs. You match up the Titans and the Steelers a second time. I think the Titans would have everything figured out and know what they're doing. I think I'd take the Titans. And I do think that the Bills-Steelers playoff game would be an extremely entertaining, interesting matchup. And I really think it'd be a pick just a toss-up of who would win. And if Josh Allen really can find his groove in a game, I would even consider taking the Bills over the Steelers. But, you know, you have those people out there who, for whatever reason, when they're looking at teams, they just look at records, and they're like, oh, that's got to be, clearly be the best team. Yes, they're undefeated. Are they the best team in the AFC? In my opinion, no. And I think that you very much, like you've stated, you agree with that, that the Steelers are not, you know, they're not even in the top tier because the top tier in the NFL even is just the Chiefs alone. I mean, you can say, like, people are going to say who's going to stop them. The Raiders stopped them. Raiders had a good week. You know, the Chiefs had an off week. That is what it is. Just because you have the statement who's going to stop them doesn't mean a team's going to go undefeated. I mean, it's happened once in NFL history that a team has gone undefeated, you know, all the way through and won the Super Bowl. So I think that the AFC, though, if you're asking me as a whole, and I just want to quickly get to this point, I think the AFC as a whole is going to be a lot more entertaining, competitive, you know, conference than NFC. Would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I think it's 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 a little it's a little more entertaining. Um, yeah, I think there's about five teams who like who I wouldn't be surprised made the Super Bowl compared to maybe like four teams in the AFC. So I don't think it's a huge difference. But
0: yeah, well, regardless of what happens, I think the AFC is definitely going to be you know the conference to watch. And my gut feeling tells me that whoever comes out of the AFC is capable of winning the Super Bowl and probably will. You know whether it's the Chiefs, Ravens, Titans. Steelers, maybe, but really like Chiefs, Titans, and Ravens. I feel like are the three teams from the AFC that could compete with any team from the NFC, even Brady's Buccaneers. But that's just me. That's how I feel about the AFC. And, you know, we had a lot of good football talk on this podcast, but I want to transition into the NBA because there is a huge move that people need to start discussing, and I'll hit that right now. So the 76ers signed on Daryl Morey for five years into their front office. And I got Jacob Chase joining us now, you know, to talk a little bit on. He's the NBA guy here. And so a couple notes on the Daryl Morey signing. He was with Houston for 13 years, been in the league, you know, doing stuff for 13 years. In that span, he made 77 trades, which is a ridiculous number, only to be beaten out by one other team. Of course, that team being the Sixers, the team that he just signed with. So we can expect – a lot of moves to be made. Earlier today, Stephen A. Smith suggested trading Ben Simmons for James Harden, which you know people are going to have their thoughts about. I don't see either team making that move. I think that this mori signing, though, however, is great for the Sixers because what this team really needs is three-point shooters. And there's one thing we know about Daryl Maury. He loves the small-ball shooting lineup. And there's a lot of guys even in the free agency pool out there that you could talk about him bringing in. I think he's going to make some moves. So – Jacob, I want to go to you first, and just you know your thoughts on the Daryl Morey signing with the Sixers.
2: Yeah, man, so I think that it's uh, a huge positive for uh, the Sixers. Definitely having Elton Brand there. Uh, I was surprised to see that he's uh, he's still staying exactly where he is. I was surprised to see kind of that they're keeping him around after um, honestly what I think is one of the one of the worst uh, couple of the worst signings of uh, the past uh, couple off seasons in Tobias Harris and Al Horford. About that. So, so, yeah, so um, you're looking at a guy in Daryl Morey who had the, over his tenure with the Rockets, he had the second best um, winning percentage out of regular season games in that time, second only to the Spurs, which every, they're going to be behind, uh, they're going to be at first all the time, so, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you're looking at a guy who's really smart, really outspoken, uh, he definitely knows exactly what he wants from his team, and he's worked with these past first guards um, like Ben Simmons before and Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook uh, this past year and he's been able to get out of them um, some of their best play. Uh, Even with Chris Paul, where he was kind of on the back end of his career, uh, he was – him and James Harden just were incredible and were able to really um, take it to that Warriors team until um, Chris Paul got hurt. People are probably going to say – you're going to see a lot of people saying that they're not sure how he's going to work with Embiid. But people forget that Daryl Morey had a team in Houston uh, in his early years with Yao Ming and with um, T-Max. And he was able to get more out of those two guys than any, anyone else. Um, exactly. So, so I, I really think that he can work with these, uh, these bigger guys, uh, these bigger fives, and definitely um, get the most out of them. So I really see it as – I can't see it as anything but positive for the picture.
0: Yeah, no. And it definitely – you know, one of the interesting concepts that people came up with is the idea of swapping Ben Simmons for James Harden, which I don't really see either team, like I said, wanting to do that. But, David, I just want to get your opinions because I know that you love to talk Ben Simmons and the different things that he brings to the table. So, do you see some sort of Ben Simmons for James Harden swap?
1: I don't even think we need to go uh, talk about this that much because take away the Sixers, whether you would do it. I think, obviously, I think Harden and Embiid and uh, being your top two guys would be really intriguing. But uh, the Rockets, aren't; they're not going to give up James Harden. They're just not going to no. do it. Um, not for Simmons. He has a lot of upside, but you're you're hoping on for upside there with Simmons, and he is also young. But you're, you're really hoping that the upside that he can become a top five player in the NBA. Whereas James Harden's already there, um, and he's tied to that franchise. So I don't see that that happening at all. And I think all, all these all these articles going around, all these things, people writing, oh, Daryl is here. Are they going to trade Simmons? Are they trading Embiid? Is, are they going to break it up? They've been saying that for like the last two years. I don't see Ben Simmons or Joel beating, Joel Embiid being traded. I think as uh as, as a Sixers fan you're stuck with them you're hoping it can work um and I think as overall the signing love the Daryl Morey signing um and I you guys talked a lot about what he could do for the for the team for three-point shooting but I think just from an organ or from an organizational standpoint um bringing him in uh it caused a little bit of confusion like where's Alton Branding going to be where's he going to be yeah. who's making the decisions uh which one is, if it, is it both of them is it one of them So we'll see how that pans out. But just as an organization, the Sixers are structurally are just one of the worst organizations in basketball, probably the worst. We've learned (laughs) recently that Elton Brand didn't even have like full control over roster construction. Mm. Mm. And as as the moves were, we know that like they had multiple guys pitching in ideas and making the decisions, whereas like that just doesn't happen in sports. Uh, you, you give the guy, you're giving a guy control, in this case, Daryl Morey, who has a, a proven track, track, track record, like you guys have said, I think it, it just speaks well for the organization to bring this guy in, um, to sign him and give them some stability here. And I hope they give him the power to do what he wants and we can judge based off what he does if he was the right hire. But I just, as an organization standpoint, I'd love to hire, and I hope that they give him control.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing that I think is inevitable is I think trades are inevitable. I mean, you're talking about a guy who in 13 years made 77 trades, which is an outstanding number of moves to make via trade, not even signings or cuttings, just trades alone. 77 is a huge number. And we, David and I were talking before we even started recording – the idea of trading for Buddy Heald, which you know was always just kind of like it's something that Philly fans wanted, but nothing ever really came of it. And I personally think that it, there's more leverage and more you know momentum towards it bringing in a guy like Daryl Morey who's not afraid to make moves, not afraid to trade certain pieces. And I think that you know outside of Ben and Joel, everyone's available to be traded for. And now I say that because I think that he wants you want to see how he does how those two do under Doc and Mori But say they don't play as well with the whole new thing, then in his the second or third year, Daryl Morey may be more inclined to say, like, you know, I've been here for two years and these guys have gotten into the second round the past two years. Like, you know, we, we got to move one of them. So I think that trades are inevitable. I think a buddy is a possibility. And I've seen a lot of rumors, not, not just Philadelphia, but teams in general, talking about a Chris Paul trade. So, you know, there's guys out there and so, Chase, I want to get back to you. If there's one target out there, realistically, you could see Philadelphia eyeing. Is there one guy that comes to mind talking about someone that Philadelphia should and could potentially bring in via trade?
2: Well, I think I think it's more fun to talk about, like you're saying, realistically. I think Buddy Heald is probably the most realistic guy because we, we've seen that he really um, is not getting along with um, uh, the coaching staff over there, and he's really not – I mean, they moved him to the bench and he's really not happy over there. But, um, if you're talking about guys that I think would be just incredible, um, an incredible fit for them would be, um, Bradley Beal probably, um, coming in and and filling in that, uh, that backcourt with, um, with Ben, I think would be really, really incredible having kind of a, uh, a very, very heavy scoring guard. Um, I thought that it was super interesting when we're talking about, um, Harden, I don't know that that's impossible. Cause I think the Rockets are at a point where they're going to have to really think about their future here. And uh, Ben being a guy who really can fit with any team and really can honestly like LeBron, I believe that Ben Simmons can make any team a playoff team. I think that's how good he is. Uh, I think they're really going to have to think about um, their future um, over in Houston. So I think that that's actually something that, that isn't, isn't completely unrealistic. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. And, And uh, with Mori, you're talking about him kind of being kind of, uh, you know, calling the shots and everything. I think if you're talking alpha GMs, I think he's probably at the top of that list seeing what he did to that Rockets team, especially in the second half of this past year where they did something that we've literally never seen before. And that was completely under his leadership, completely under his, his move. So I think that uh, I think that he's really going to be able to uh, take his prerogative and just, just do whatever he wants there. Honestly.
0: Yeah. The the Brad, the Bradley Beal one is not very interesting take and no doubt Bradley Beal. you move him to any team like the Sixers they're going to be an instant playoff team an instant contender it just a guy like Bradley Beal is so much value it just makes you think like do you have to give up Joel or Ben if there is some way that Maury and I'm not saying that he can't because he's Daryl Maury and he does trades all the time if there's some way that you can keep Ben and Joel and together work. And bring in Bradley Beal. Now you're talking about a legitimate big three threat.
2: Yeah, and you're talking about a guy who pulled up one of the one of the great fleeces of the entire decade in Harden. So, um, I mean, and he, in trading uh, Kevin Martin and Jeremy Lamb and three first round picks for James Harden um, to that OKC team, James Harden becomes you know one a uh, top five player in this league. So I think that um, you're talking about a guy who's smart enough to pull something like that off. Uh, I think it's really him and Ainge are probably the two guys who, who would be able to do something like that. And so I think, uh, I think, yeah, that's, that's definitely a possibility.
0: Yeah. And you know, David kind of same thought to you, you know, is there one guy out there that you really feel the Sixers realistically could trade for? Cause I mean, if you just throw anyone on the table, you could say they go, you can swap Al Horford for like Steph. Like I, I want to talk about like realistically like trades that you think Daryl Morey could pull off. There's one guy that would fit the system of the Sixers can like, and I would say, fits them with the idea behind that Ben and Joel are off the table trade wise.
1: Yeah. So I do think that the Daryl Morey signing means more for the possibility of trading away Tobias Harris or Horford than Simmons or Embiid. Um, even though that's very intriguing, uh, Simmons or Embiid trade would be one of the biggest trades we've seen in a long time. But I think it's more realistic to think that it's going to mean we can get off the Horford or Tobias Harris contracts, uh, both which I would consider negative value contracts and I agree with you that the most realistic guy that would really help the team would be Buddy Heald because we've seen that he um, has had struggles with the ownership and the coaching staff in Sacramento, and even down to other things such as he's liked posts linking him to Philly and stuff like that on on Twitter or Instagram and stuff like that. I think he's the most realistic guy because even though he has a big contract and he hasn't really performed up to that contract. He's like the perfect fit because he's just the guy who's going to shoot for you. And he's going to be that great shooter. He can shoot over 40% from three and that's what the Sixers need. Um, So I think he's the most realistic guy to trade for. Um, I would be surprised if they could get off of Tobias Harris without giving up some serious value uh, in terms of picks going with him. So I'm not as hopeful for that, but I do think you can get off that Horford contract. And I think it makes sense a Horford for Buddy Heald uh, swap and maybe we will have to give up something like our, our first round pick this year at 21 or something just because I think the heel heel is a little better of a player at this point. But I think Horford would fit in in there well. So that, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, and in terms of something going back to Beal, if 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 Bradley Beal on the Sixers, it's because we gave up Simmons or Embiid. There's just there, we just don't have we just don't have the assets to get him, especially when other teams are going to be looking like someone like the Mavericks uh, might have more assets, something like that. It's just – I don't see that as a realistic uh, possibility.
0: That's interesting you bring up the Mavericks. I did see something today that, you know, talking about how the Mavericks are willing to trade anybody except Luca and Kristaps, and that they have recently shown interest in Tobias Harris, of all players. How that would play out or who Philadelphia would bring in or swap or all that, I don't know, but that's definitely something to keep your eye on. Me personally, you know, seeing what Tobias did in L.A. with Doc there – I would like to see at least a full season of him in Philadelphia under Doc Rivers before you move off of him because he did play exceptionally well in L.A. with Doc Rivers You know, overall. So I think the Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers combo is something to watch. And if you're asking me, this Philadelphia team is going to look a heck of a lot different than it did last year. I mean, the starting five very well can only return two people. I mean, they could return all five or they could return two. They could return one. Like, Daryl Morey is showing that he is not – you know, he he is not shying away from making moves. So the Sixers team could look a lot different. It's gonna be it's gonna be one interesting offseason. I think, you know, this is gonna be people are talking about how like this is like the biggest election year in terms of politics. I think this is gonna be the biggest offseason year and already has been for the Sixers. I mean, you bring in Daryl Morey, you fire Brett Brown, you bring in Doc Rivers. So it's already been one of the biggest offseasons in Sixers history. And what Daryl Morey is going to do, we haven't seen yet. And I really liked your idea of trading Horford for healed. And if I'm the Sixers, you know, giving up a first round pick or two to a younger team doesn't hurt me because the Sixers are in a win now mode. Like, yes, you got Matisse Thibel and you love him and he's a great, you know, defensively he's going to be great. He's working on his all offensive game, but the last thing that the Sixers need to do in a franchise and that, you know, where they are settled right now is bring in two to three rookies every year and develop them. Like you got to bring in those veterans. You have to bring in those guys and develop them. Um, so, real quick, Chase, I'll get your your point to this, and then I'll get David's. Realistically, in the East, you know, considering Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, obviously they don't have the roster put together they want, but, you know, all things put together, how far do you think the Sixers team can go with Daryl Morey running things and Doc Rivers as coach? Chase, I'll start with you. Yeah, I would say uh, definitely
2: at least, eastern conference finals i think i think making eastern conference finals is very real uh very realistic uh especially i mean we're looking at um this past year and honestly the competition in the east seeing that the heat come out of there um it really isn't isn't crazy i mean you're looking at you're looking at that you're looking at a celtics team that um is going to come back um better but the question for them is can they sign a big i don't think i don't think that they're going to um I don't think that they're going to sweep the Sixers again especially if Simmons is healthy. Yeah, S- Simmons
0: being <gasps> out was like Simmons oh, it was, it was Simmons massive. plays Simmons plays in that series, that thing could be a toss of, Like that could be a seven game series. Like that's how impactful Simmons can be. Yeah.
2: Out. No, definitely. And then you you have a uh you have a Raptors team who's really lost their identity. Um I mean, I don't I don't know. I think that uh, they really lost um they really lost some confidence there in that seven-game series. They fought hard, but I mean, Siakam, what is he going to be this next season? That's a big question for them. Uh, the Van Nets coming back, free agent. exactly. Uh, yeah, the Nets coming in with Durant and Irving is going to be interesting. I don't know if they're going to be able to put it together fully to get all the way to the finals uh, this upcoming season. But uh, but yeah, and then you still have the Bucks there. You still have the Bucks. So personally, I I think that it's going to be. Um, I really do think that it's either going to be Sixers Bucks. Or it's gonna be Nest be the, Bucks in this upcoming finals. That's my prediction. So yeah, I think that Sixers making the Eastern Conference Finals definitely doable. Can they Can they beat the Bucks is the question. And and uh, I think that's that's yeah, and, that's really big.
0: And that's predictions before Daryl Morey's made any moves. And you know he's gonna make moves. And he could have a he could have a trade done by like next Friday. Like it's Daryl Morey. You have no idea what he's gonna do. Uh, David, real quick, how far do you think the Sixers team can go with Morey and Doc Rivers now?
1: Well, I think the sister team can go far because of Embiid and Simmons more than Mori signing. It just depends. It's always been about we're building around Embiid and Simmons. What can we get around them? And there Mori has to get the right team around them because Brand and the administration before did not do that. Horford and Tobias Harris, uh, I think individually they're solid players, but. You already had Embiid, who's a five. You have Simmons, who's kind of he, – he's played he's played point guard most of the time, but they recently transitioned him to the four. So then you bring in Tobias Harris, who's also four, and Horford, who, who's a five. So your four biggest signings, or you have like four centers on the team almost. But uh, so I think it's really – if he can bring in the right pieces around them, I think they can go far. Um, we saw when they don't have the right pieces around them, they might go in a first-round exit. So that's where I think more is going to be huge because I think if you can get – even keeping Tobias Harris, I'm fine with him. I, I agree with you. I'd like to see what he can do with Doc Rivers for a season, uh, seeing as how he had his best, se- his best season with Doc Rivers. Uh, but if we can get off of Horford um, and get and get pieces to put around Simmons and Bede, I think they can contend in the Eastern Conference, because I totally agree with Chase that there's there's not really a juggernaut. Um, uh, we saw the, the heat come out. I don't really see them repeating. Celtics are, are shaky. Raptors are shaky. Siakam really did not perform well in the playoffs. Heat haven't even gotten to the Eastern Conference final. And uh, the Nets, I mean, they're a wild card. Who knows? But I I think they're in that tier with all those teams. They can get the right pieces around them, Um, and I think they can compete in that conference. And Eastern Conference finals is kind of the goal. And I think they Mm. they get there, they'll be competitive in that series. Yeah, I can't wait
0: to I can't wait to see you know what they do. Even like development wise, like like a guy like. Can Doc Rivers, you know, elevate like a Shake Millen to the next level to be, you know, the starting Mm -hmm. guard as opposed to Daryl Morey trading for a guard? Like, can a guy like Shake Millen, you know, develop into that next guy? Mm -hmm. So, it's it's definitely, you know, we're shortly into the offseason, but there's already been some moves going around. It's a big free agent pool. Obviously, I think there are some interesting pieces that are going to be available for teams to sign. It's going to be one interesting offseason season. As for when the actual NBA season starts itself, you know, I think as fans we'd like it to start earlier. I think as players you'd want to start as late as you can to get more time off. You know, there's rumors of pre-Christmas starting, but a lot of the stars said that they wouldn't play if it started then. And then, you know, there's more people pushing for a 2021 start Mm -hmm. to the season. Either way, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. It's going to, you know, I can't wait to see what the Sixers do trading wise. And I want to thank Chase for joining us and, you know, hopefully we'll have you on again at some point, but thanks for joining us from Liberty, Chase. Yeah, man, of course. All right. So that was Jacob Chase. Join us from Liberty university. A great guy knows a lot about basketball before we close the show out. I want to give you quickly my three bets for the weekend. And now these lines are from FanDuel and remember this is Thursday. Um, You're probably going to be listening to this on Friday, but these lines are from Thursday, October 29th. And as we all know, lines can change you know, daily at the drop of a hat, you know, lines can change. So these are my three bets for the weekend. And I'll get David's reaction to each one. My first one is the Bills to cover three and a half points against the Patriots. Patriots just lost Julian Edelman. And they just, you know, rumors are that Nahil Harry's not going to play, which he hasn't been much, but he's their, you know, one of their top two receivers. And, you know, Patriots are coming off a huge blowout against the Niners. So I like the Bills to cover three and a half points against the Patriots.
1: Oh, yeah. Four and a half ers smacked the Patriots. Their offense looked terrible. Now Edelman's out. Book it.
0: Yeah. The second one being, you know, Titans coming off a close loss. They're given five and a half, you know, against the Bengals. They're favored by five and a half. I think that they'll cover that because they're a strong team. I like Joe Burrow, but I don't like the Bengals as a whole. And the Titans are, seem like one of those teams that, you know, coming off a loss, they're going to be hot.
1: Yeah, they came off a loss. They're the better team. Book it.
0: And then finally, Seahawks lost last week. They're given two and a half against the Niners. I think the Seahawks are a way better team right now in the season than the 49ers are. Now, granted, 49ers, like we just mentioned, coming off a big win against the Patriots, they're probably you know on their high horses celebrating. Um, but I like the Seahawks to win that game against the Niners and cover two and a half. I think they'll win
1: by more than a field goal. Yeah, I like that. But that's three for three. Um, that one's the one I'm probably least confident on, but I think the Seahawks are a better team, and we'll see if the 49ers can yes, keep it going after last week's big win. But I don't think so.
0: Yeah, those are my three bets for the weekend. You know, it's nothing, nothing like cowards blazing five. I don't have a name for it, but those are just three bets. Those are via FanDuel, who is not a sponsor, but that's just you know the <laughs> app that people like to use. I want to thank you guys for joining us today and you know supporting the Bushy Baller Brand podcast. It has been a while. We are back, and we are going to do our best to release this weekly. You know, uh, and to feel free. You know, on Instagram, I'm Bushy Blue Cheese on Instagram. Feel free, to just DM. You know, topics, questions, anything you want to hit on the show. We're going to have things set up, but you know, if you guys feel like messaging us on anything, you know, Bushy Blue Cheese on Instagram, just hit us up and tell me, like, hey, I'd love to hear you guys discuss this. One, thank you guys for tuning in wherever you're watching, you know, or listening, Spotify, iHeart Radio. Thank you for joining us, David. Thanks again for joining us and look forward to hopefully getting us out weekly and giving you guys the content that you deserve.